Welcome back to Rethinking Politics. Glad to have you with us for episode 96. We're getting closer and closer to that big 100, you know. We're planning on having an in-person party, so we'll send the invitations out for that soon. It's going to be it's going to be wild. <laughs> Uh, I believe, I believe, what's the quote? Be there. It'll, or, oh, dang it, now I, I forgot it. The, the Trump quote from January 6th, you know, it'll be wild. Something, something. That's what I was going for, you know. <laughs> How fitting, Brad. Maybe we should talk about January 6th and the January 6th commission and hearings that are going on. No, that's crazy. Let's just reference it. Oh, okay. here, it's be there, be wild, will be wild. Be there, will be wild. Our party, be there, will be wild. Seriously, though, we get a special opportunity today, and that special opportunity is to discuss one of our all-time favorite subjects and something that we do not go out of our way to avoid on a regular basis, and that is the, the topic of Trump. So we are very excited about that. We are actually going to be talking about the uh, January 6th hearings that have been taking place over the past, I mean— month and a half at this point it's it's been a while and we're gonna we're gonna break down what's been what's evidence has been brought forward so far the purpose of the hearings and and some of our our thoughts and takeaways um before we do that though we've got a couple of items of news that we're gonna go over isn't that right dan yes that's right brad so we've got two little news items that i wanted to cover things that happened that were relatively important or at least at least related to things that are going on and people are t discussing. Um, but we the, we didn't want to spend a full episode on at this point. Uh, one of them is the Twitter deal that we've been talking about. Elon Musk buying Twitter has at this point formally fallen through. Uh, the Elon has been the one who backed out. Now yes, is we Elon. Now, Elon Musk, uh, do we, Mr. Musk, as we, uh, we referred to him in one of the episodes before cringing a little bit and realizing <laughs> what an unfortunate last name that is. <laughs> it never really occurred to me. I, my attention is always on Elon. Uh huh. Uh huh. What kind of a name is that? <laughs> what, what, what is this? But of course, whole, it's nothing whole, compared to the names he gives his children. The whole thing's weird. Yeah, it's. <laughs> We we assume that most of his eccentricity comes from the fact that his parents named him Elon and that his last name was Musk, you know, and that actually explains most most of his eccentricities because there are quite a few and they're explained by his name. There are quite a few, and that's I I like this theory. Let's mm -hmm. let's run with that. Um, the Twitter deal is was interesting in a variety of ways. Uh, we went through how it works and why it would have an impact, and why it should matter, and why you should care about it, even if you you don't care about Twitter at all. Uh, which is us, us most days. Um, the thing with Twitter, the thing with this deal falling through, is that it doesn't necessarily indicate that he's not going to buy it in the long run. Um, it also yeah. Before because, before you say that though, Dan, the important thing here is that is that Elon Musk is trying to back out of it. That's yes, what's happening yes. right now is Elon Musk is trying to back out of it, and so now the the Twitter board is going to try and hold him to the original contract or try and make him pay the the penalty, which I think was a billion dollars, right? That's right. It was a billion dollars agreed to if either party backs out. So Elon Musk had offered to buy Twitter for forty four uh, billion. I almost said million. Uh, that would be a, a steal, yeah, but might be what it's worth. <laughs> might, Sorry, might be closer to its actual value, forty-four billion. Um, 
Immediately afterward, if, as you can imagine, with the market crashing and all these things, plus, as we've mentioned elsewhere, Twitter does not actually make money. Twitter is one of the least profitable businesses that seem profitable. That yeah, seem one of the big. least profitable businesses that's that big and well-known, you know? And, yes, yes, that's been that successful. So how is it successful if it's not making money? People keep investing in it and giving it more money, and that's how it makes money. People investing, not through its bit, not through selling anything, not through its advertising, which is in theory the way that it should be gaining revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it it's is been gaining, managed, and it is gaining revenue through things like that, just not enough. Just not enough. Mm-hmm. Not near. Not, the ratio. Uh, there's they 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 put the ratio of profit to uh, uh, debt to profit ratio. Debt to profit ratio in. In these number, in, in, uh, excuse me, I'm stumbling over words, and in, to, to kind of rate businesses, um, on their profitability. Um, Twitter's is a fraction of what it should be. Um, one to six, one to seven, one to eight is often the ratio of major companies, um, that are valuable and publicly traded. Twitter's is like one to 25 or something. Yeah, no, something like that. Way more debt. For yeah, the revenue it, they're bringing in. It should be outside of the pale, but it has so much public attention and weight that people keep investing in it, keep buying stock and things like that, despite the fact that it's not making uh, significant money and as such will likely never pay off its debt and things. So it's it's just a it's it's a really strange company. And Elon Musk was going to try and change that, among other things. He was going to try and make it profitable. Um, he backed out and... The repercussions of that will likely be that he has to pay a billion dollars. Now, my guess is that he will back out, pay the billion dollars, turn around, give them a new offer. Instead of offering 44 billion, offer them 24 billion or something like that because they were never worth 44 billion. And now that the market is collapsing, they're worth about half that. (laughs) They're worth much less than 44 Mm -hmm. billion. So even if he has to pay a $1 billion fee, he could still renegotiate the price, end up buying Twitter, and have a much, much, much better deal than he has right now. Especially since him backing out of the deal probably means that the value of Twitter collapses further. Elon Musk backing them boosted their, you know, Mm -hmm. wanting to buy them boosted their stock value. And as such, he's, as someone described it, he's he's got them over a barrel. (laughs) In a lot of ways, he does. He's he has all of the leverage if he wants to move forward with a much better deal uh, on his end that is much closer to the market value. And it's, so we'll it's, see what happens there. It's just a reminder that that the way these publicly traded companies operate is is insane. <laughs> it's just clinically insane. You know, this is this is the exact opposite of 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 the way you think companies would operate, and there appears to be no autonomy. You know, the fact that that. Elon Musk making comments about what he may or may not do drastically affects the valuation (laughs) of the company he's considering buying seems like a serious problem, and it absolutely is. And it's because the company he's trying to buy is not an independent company, but is instead a publicly traded company that is dependent on the whims of of the stock market for, for everything, you know? So it's just... It's just awesome. Yes. It's an awesome if, setup. If we didn't, we, we got into the legal side of this a little bit in our episodes where we focused on this. Um, if you didn't, we, we've created a variety of incentives to create corporations that are publicly traded that shouldn't be there. And if they were removed, 
um, things, protection from liability and things like that. If they were removed, we'd have a lot more privately owned companies. And privately owned companies make a lot more sense. And if you got rid of the corporate shield and the liability issues, uh, liability advantages of publicly owned things, um, you'd, you'd get a, a significantly different environment in terms of corporations and trading and things, not to mention like short selling and other things like that, which really change things and may or may not be something that would happen in a free market right? yeah. because that's, it's actually a bug in the system that has since become a formal part, but yeah. And that, that allows for more predatory practices because yes. of, because of the stock market and these publicly traded companies, you that can invest exist. in destruction. Yes. Yeah, you exactly. can invest in destruction. That, that wouldn't exist if they were just private companies. Yes, it and it completely changes things to have short selling there. Elon and, Musk has actually tweeted about that. He said he didn't think short selling should be a thing. I, and and I think because of all of these new loopholes, then of course you have more regulations to try and make sure that people <laughs> yeah. do these predatory practices, they do them correctly, which is nonsense to begin with. But but it just circles upon circles. Anyways. Yes, yes, creates a legal like mess that the most most intelligent lawyers then go and try and navigate for companies mm -hmm, to make mm -hmm. big money and it's this creates this game. Anyway, we promised it'd be short. I stick to that very well. Clearly short is a relative term. Um, Hunter Biden's iPhone was supposedly hacked by some 4chan people of all, all the people and released. Um, the like idea they're being still kicking around. <laughs> 4chan still yep. exists. Um, the, so a lot of things from it have been passed around footage of Hunter Biden doing various inappropriate activities, um, and so on. Now, could there be something in this mess of information that's released that is of public interest and that, that we will circle back to and talk about some other time? Yes, there could be. Could there be something in there that, that shows something about Biden or, or Biden's involvement in some kind of a deal that is, uh, deal or a crime or something like that. Absolutely. There may be things in there in the same way there may be things in the laptop that initially was said not to be his laptop. And then the FBI confirmed it was right around, you know, in a sketchy way, right around the election time. Um, but for now, so much of it is just sensationalism about Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden is, in some ways, seems like the stereotype of an, of of the person who was born into wealth and connections and problems. And all of this has worked to create just a destructive cycle of, of his life, right? Drugs and things and getting away with things that he shouldn't be able to and having connections that he shouldn't in order to get more money and more drugs and these kind of things. Um, it's a, it's a vicious circle and none of it necessarily has anything to do with Biden. And unless you can show that it proves something about Biden, it's truly irrelevant. It's just digging into the private affairs of someone. I guess in some cases you could say this is illegal and there should be crimes to prosecute him specifically. Fair enough. Um, Except the only so reason much people are interested is because of his connection. That's you right. Know? That's right. You know, like there are plenty of people who who have, you know, videos or photos even available on social media that show them, you know, consuming you know consuming drugs and things like that that you know the local police departments aren't combing through and then you know pursuing you know pursuing them for whatever crimes they committed because that's just not how it operates right. until there's something else going on 
Right. Ultimately, this looks, most of what's happening is just slander. It's just slander. And, and that's a terrible way to operate. I, it's disgusting. It's despicable. And it's, uh, and it's, it's wildly inappropriate to be sharing it and spreading it around and just looking at it for sensational purposes. Um, and I hate to, I can, my well, father, yeah, but I mean, it's only slander if it's, if it's not true though. Then yes. Thank you for correct. I, by slander, I mean, it's gossip. That's what I meant yeah, to say. Yeah. It's, it's slander just, is, is a yeah. more specific term. You're right. It's, there it's is a, a legal claim. term there and I don't want yeah. to, I don't want, thank you for clarifying that. Um, my father is an absolutely extraordinary human being. Uh, one of my heroes, excellent man. Heaven forbid anyone looks at my life as a reflection of my father. <laughs> my problems are my problems, not necessarily say anything about the father. You can have an excellent human being who then their child turns out to, for various reasons, to be, uh, not match up to them. I'm not necessarily defending Biden or, or Hunter in any way. I, it, but it's just saying that. Just by pointing to the flaws of Hunter does not necessarily prove anything about Biden. And that's where we're going to leave it for now. Right now, it, there appears to be nothing of substance that I've seen. Um, no doubt there are some interesting things that will be looked at closer and that may prove to be substantial. Yeah, the only thing that I've heard that that if if verified would be interesting is that there it does seem to be more information about uh, His business President Biden and... knowing more than he said in the past that he knows about Hunter's business connections. Yes, yes, and and those kind of things do get dicey real quick because because this is this is how the game works. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. you as president of the United States, you even as vice president of the United States, or as you know a high ranking member of the Congress, have a lot of power, and that power gives people who are connected to you more opportunities than normal people, even yes. without you abusing that power. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. And so because of that, there are, there are lines you have to walk because, because you can't change the fact that people know, you know, foreign mm-hmm. businesses know that Hunter Biden is your son. Nothing you can do will change that. And so all you can do is control what you do. And so there are certain legal requirements you know, of what you can and can't do. And so the question is, is was that violated? And that gets into the nitty gritty and and there's not enough evidence right now to show, to show that. And so it's just ambiguous right now. Yes. Some things take time and this is going to be one of them and let it, let it take the time needed. Uh, Don't get carried away with anything yet. From there, we want to talk January 6th. We want to talk January 6th commission, the hearings and such. Brad, your initial thoughts. So we've talked about January 6th before. Um, what episode was that, Dan? You look it up while I while I start talking. Cause, sure. Because we, we should reference it, and I can't remember. Once you've recorded, you know, 96 episodes, believe it or not, we don't have our episode numbers memorized. We remember <laughs> most of the stuff we've talked about, but I don't know when we talked about it. Probably right. after January 6th, sometime between January 6th and now, we recorded an episode, so feel free to check the last you know, year and a half and, and let us know. Um, but, we, but we've already talked about it. We've talked about the fact that, uh, number one, Trump definitely did some very inappropriate and probably illegal things. In regards to trying to overturn the election. Yeah, probably illegal, 
definitely corrupt by our yes. our measures. Yes, and that's and that's what I meant by inappropriate. That what yes. he did was was not correct and was was not good. The legality thing becomes complicated because a lot of these areas, believe it or not, are more gray than they seem to be. And this is something that's really interesting is is the way the federal government is set up. There are a lot of ways that things are done and there are specific instructions but there's also a little bit of wiggle room you know and so this is where it gets into the nitty-gritty is a lot of the things that he does and the and the, and the qu ideas that are raised aren't necessarily illegal but some of them were you know what i mean but it's in that gray area so it's a little bit more complicated than that the other thing that makes it more complicated is is when you're a sitting pre president the rules are also a little bit different about what you can and can't do all of that makes a legal case against Trump more difficult, but it doesn't make a, I guess what you call it, a public opinion case more difficult. You know, you can have in the court of public opinion a clear guilty verdict without having the legal case there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine what it would take for a president to be thrown in jail, you know, to have done something as president. And then later to be thrown in jail. For yeah, because for the most part, it's it's impeachment, and there's always yes, the possibility yes. of further prosecution. But usually, impeachment is 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 the main goal because the main goal is to get them out of power. Yes, because as the head of the executive branch, you are in charge of the enforcement of the law. Mm -hmm, you don't. Mm -hmm. You're not under the jurisdiction of any police department. You're not under the jurisdiction of any prosecuting attorney. Like you can't. There isn't a court that could try you. I don't think the Supreme Court could. Yeah, which is which is how it's supposed to be set up right, because right. you don't want a local police department to have the ability to, the to overthrow the, the government. That's right. That's right. That's right. So at some at some point in the highest offices of the land, there is the only check on them is a, is the election itself. And if they are elected, and, they have uh and that's really the problem that's at, at play here, Dad, is yeah. that he already lost. And January 6th occurs, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, he's gone. <laughs> and now the Democrats are, are left with a serious problem, which is that they can't impeach him because yeah, he's yeah. gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, they tried and, to. Do you, you remember that? Maybe you didn't hear yeah, about they, that. Yeah, they tried to. Place. No, they tried to impeach him after he was gone. And one of the concerns was you can't impeach a president who's no longer president because that doesn't make any sense because impeaching means removing him from office. Right. And so, so the, but the, but it's a real issue here because they want that victory. You want to be able to say we were right and he was evil. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or to um, put it in in more generous terms that, that, uh, they want justice they want, yeah. they want to take someone who they believe did a terrible thing and they want him appropriately punished for his crimes against mm -hmm. the United States. And then one more thing I want to say before before we, we get in, into some of this is that we also talked about the actual day of January 6th, and we made the argument that we don't believe January 6th was a coup attempt, and that that when you look at the evidence of what happened, it was definitely a riot. There were definitely laws broken, but that is far from trump using january 6th to try and violently overthrow the existing government yes and that's just too much of a stretch yes and whenever i hear people talk about january 6th 
and talk about how Trump tried to overturn the election, they conflate them. They yeah, because those are two different things. Yes, yes. You can you can look at the the events of January sixth and say this specific day, the events here are not a coup. There's actually no path from this to taking over the government. I can't even imagine the you know. In fact, January sixth achieved everything it wanted to achieve. They mm-hmm. walked into the Capitol building like they wanted to. They, they got the photos the they wanted. They disrupted the event. Did it overthrow the government? No. Where, where did it fail? You know, where did this coup, if this was a coup, where did it fail? Which was, what was the step that, that, uh, that saved the country, right? It, there, mm-hmm. there wasn't one. There's no end game here. There's no path to it. Now, if you were to say delaying the events may allow the actual threats, the things that Trump was trying to do through state electors or to try and get Pence. And also, this is where Pence comes in, right, related to these state electors. Um, sure, sure, it's it's vaguely connected there by trying to delay things. Um, you could say, you could argue maybe that it's part of Trump's attempt to stay use the, the election, yes, to stay in power and use the election apparatus to do that. But January 6th, by in isolation, has been really overinflated in what it was. Um, and, w- and certainly what it was able to accomplish ended up being nothing. The delay ended up being irrelevant. And so, so that brings us to the January 6th committee. The January 6th committee is their, – their goal is not necessarily what you think it is. Their goal is not to bring a legal case against – uh, Trump. Their goal is not to to get Trump landed in jail. Their goal is fundamentally, as the Wall Street Journal put it, to uh, where's the exact quote? I like to I liked make the, the line case. From the Wall yeah, Journal. the the committee is attempting to make the case to the public that Mr. Trump was accountable for the attack and that it was the result of a multi-pronged conspiracy. In other words, the goal here is not to get him arrested, but rather to have that clear victory for justice that you couldn't get because he couldn't be impeached. And so so that's the goal. Um, There are also some, some subsidiary political goals that we think are at play here. Obviously, you've got the coming election, which is not looking good for Democrats because Democrats have been in power for one, which always makes it more difficult. They've done a bad job for two, and they've lost a <laughs> lot of support for three. And those those are all three separate things. Yeah. They are separate. Our- it may sound like they're not separate. One and two are absolutely separate. Being in office makes it harder. Because you have a record that they can point to. You have promises that you inevitably weren't able to keep. You had you have people looking at you and they're not able to see what the other party is doing, right? It always mm-hmm. being in office mm-hmm. always makes the other party attractive. Yeah, even if you're doing a good job. Even if you're doing a good job. And so the fact that they were doing a bad job is a separate thing. <laughs> Just gonna defend you. And, and then I and then I also want to clarify that doing a bad job is separate from losing popularity. Because yes. they lost popularity when you know, pulling out of Afghanistan went so poorly. They lost popularity when, you know, Biden promised to end COVID and then completely failed to do that. But they also lost popularity 
when other things happened that weren't the president's fault that were bad. You know, um, the Ukraine war, you know, which definitely had an impact on the economy and also had an impact on how we viewed the president, wasn't really Biden's fault, but it decreased his popularity. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, and ironically, like the polls said, we we were interested in uh, in doing things like putting uh, sanctions on Russian oil, and now the blowback for the increased prices <laughs> that are partially due to the sanctions. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Have made Biden look bad, even though he was doing mm-hmm. exactly what what the what polling the had wanted indicated. Him to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and and so and so it is three separate things. You can do what the people ask you to do. You can do it well, and then you can have the people hate you for it. And that's just one of the joys of being president of the United States. <laughs> and so, so all in all, there's there's some real danger in these in these upcoming elections that the Republicans could you know take back the House, take back the Senate. You know, we could have a uh, a gridlocked Congress where the Congress doesn't have enough to overturn, you know, the president's veto. And so kind of just sits there and only passes things that Republicans and Democrats agree on, which at this point I think is is like three issues, two of which have to do with the, the AC temperature in the actual, uh, you know, <laughs> in, in the actual congressional buildings. Right. What they'd, what we'd end up getting is they'd pass the big – the big bills when the deadlines come. That fund yeah, the big everything. spending bills, and it'd be a mm-hmm. compromise, you know. But but fundamentally, yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to do much else. So so obviously that's something Democrats don't want. And so a great way to to draw attention away from that is to bring it back to everyone's favorite bogeyman, which is Trump. And so pointing out the the real bad things that Trump did could be an effective technique. You know, I mean, the hearing is taking place over a long period of time. And so it's getting a lot of media attention that's lasting for a long period of time. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, I think you said at one point that they were drawing 20 million people watching it. Live. I heard 20 million. I don't know if that was just for the first episode. First episode. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. A, There's a Freudian a slip. <laughs> Freudian slip there. Um, this is the newest reality TV show. So they they blocked out prime time hours to do this. And they're doing it Tuesdays and Thursdays during prime time, and all of the news agencies are showing these live, including including Fox News, right? Including those who you think might not be favorable to what's being shown. Um, so yes, this is the new reality show on TV. This is the new show. That's what they're hoping for, that people tune in twice a week. Um, they're up to what, seven episodes now? And I've heard, I said it again, seven, seven. I, I thought it was intentional at that, that point. One, no, that one was also next. Now I'm just going to roll with it at this point. Seven episodes now. Um, they're hoping to, to produce two more by the end of the month. Whatever you say, Abed. Um, <laughs> so what was I going to say? Yeah, so and so a lot of people may be thinking, well, this is not effective at all, and 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 a lot of conservatives aren't being impacted by what's being said. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that you need to remember that in terms of these general elections, this the moderate group in the middle is going to have a large sway, and not just presidential elections, but you know, but the the many ways more important elections of the the Senate and the House are going to be swayed by the undecideds because 
Conservatives aren't going to change their mind no matter what's said. The liberals aren't going to change their mind no matter what's said. They've already made up their mind. But there's this middle group of conservatives who aren't so sure, liberals who aren't so sure, and independents who by definition aren't sure, otherwise they would have joined one of the two parties, can be swayed Mm -hmm. by things like this. And yes, they won't be voting for Trump versus Biden in these elections, but they are going to be voting for Republican or Democrat. And in many ways, it is the same thing. Yeah, they are the faces of their parties. Exactly. I mean, so many people choose to vote, you know, down the party line when they're when they're making that decision this is going to be in the back of their mind and so if you can convince not the public at large but at least some of those undecideds that trump was directly responsible for what happened january 6th that it was part of a multi-pronged conspiracy to overthrow the government that might be enough to convince you to vote democrat you know this november and that is is a serious motivation. Yeah, and, and it's interesting to to because I think that is what drives most commissions like this that have public hearings. This, what you've just described, is the point. Now that's not the point that is advertised. The point that is advertised is we're going to provide stunning, never before heard testimony against Trump that may finally be the thing that brings him down and maybe even sends him to jail. That's the that's how it's sold and advertised. Um, that's a promise they're not going to be able to fulfill. That's a that's a standard they they can't possibly live up to, and for a couple reasons. One of which is that these public hearings are not a court. Mm-hmm. They have some of the trappings of a court. They have some of the formalities of it. Um, there's no defense attorney. There's no counter witnesses. There's no cross examination. You know, there's no one at all defending Trump, right? And that's well, and there's and there's no, there's no judge who has strict requirements for what can and can't be. Yeah, said, how yes, how said. the evidence is. There's, that's right. The legal rules of of admissible evidence and things like that are all no, and, all absent. If if you're looking for a legal precedent in terms of what this looks like, it looks a lot more like a witch hunt because the people who are running the show are only on one side. The people who are calling witnesses are only on one side. The people who are asking them questions are only on one side, which is why you know you should be glad that this isn't legally binding like a court case would be because it doesn't have any of the protections yes, that, yes. that a court case would be. And that's why, I mean, if you look at a lot of the, the official responses from Trump's you know media team, to these January 6 hearings keep pointing that out because that's the only chance they have to point that out because they don't have a voice in this hearing is the fact that this is one-sided and so you're not getting the full story. Yes, there are a lot of uh, bad faith. Uh, we're probably probably people who are just ignorant talking about why aren't there if this isn't true, why aren't there witnesses from the other side coming and testifying in these hearings? And it's because these are a very controlled spectacle. And that's mm-hmm. that's the way this is not a uh, a specific jab at Democrats. I'm not defending Republicans anyway. This is exactly how Republicans run hearings like this when when it's an issue they're trying to keep in front of the public, right? This is just mm-hmm. the way it works. You are in charge. Who do you yeah. want to be seen? What story mm-hmm. do you want mm-hmm. to be told? And when you have that kind of control, it is terrible for determining the truth. Now, that's not to say there's not going to be any truth in it or there won't be some big revelations. There could be. 
There could be. And we're going to go into the content of it in a in a few minutes. No, you're just saying that it's terrible for determining the truth like we're used to in a courtroom. Yes. Where we have you have these, adversarials. These yes. You have you have careful the the there must be standards met for the evidence. There's there uh the counter the cross examinations and things would be big. You know, someone someone who thinks that these witnesses are not telling the truth, questioning them would be a huge deal. And of course they'd have to, you know, the oaths they take are different. They, they make the, they make the oaths, right? They're testifying under oath in these meetings. And that gives the appearance that this is just like a court, right? That this is legitimate mm-hmm. testimony in the same way. It's not because it hasn't been cross-examined. It hasn't gone through the legal uh, investigations and that happened mm-hmm. prior to the wit before the witness even comes up and testifies and, and so on, right? There's so much here can be said and will be said that would not be allowed to be said in a court for various mm-hmm. reasons. There'd be so many objections, right? They, they wouldn't even be able to say it, let alone claim it to be the absolute truth, right? So, and that's just something to take into account as you're, you're looking at any kind of commission hearing like this is that what's being said here is not under the strict, uh, rules that a, that an actual adversarial court case is. And, uh, and that makes it entirely different, despite the fact that they're going to have some similar things to try and make you feel like it is. Mm-hmm. So if you can't, with this device, if you can't determine who is guilty of what crime, right? You can't, you, there's no like executive arm after this where they're going to pass judgment. All you can do is make a case to the public and try and persuade people. And that's what, exactly what Brad was saying. That's what they're doing. They're going to yeah, try is- and politically maneuver. This is a persuasive essay in hearing form. And so it doesn't mean it's it's a lie. It doesn't mean it's untrue. It just means it hasn't been vetted in the same way. And so you got to take that under consideration. Well said. Well said. So now we want to go over what's been said. You know, we want to we want to talk about for for those who weren't part of the 20 million who watched it, who who would like to to hear a little bit about what's being talked about? We're going to go over it in a hopefully reasonable way. Um, we're going to be referencing um, our timeline. We're using the Wall Street Journal because their their summary of the of the seven hearings so far was far and away the best summary we've seen. We'll include the link. Um, if you can't get into it, I apologize. It's the Wall Street Journal. They do have paywalls. Often, or at least sometimes, you can get past the paywall. Um, for <laughs> the example, of... <laughs> this specific this specific article I found on my phone. Wall Street Journal let me read it. I shared the link with Dan. He said he couldn't get in. I clicked on the link. Now I couldn't get into the article I could get into before. So I went onto my computer trying to find other articles. Came across the same article. My computer let me read it just fine. <laughs> Using I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand who's making these rules. Well, I know it's the Wall Street <laughs> Journal theoretically, but but it's inconsistent. It seems, yeah, like something's weird with the browsers and registering with, with, IP addresses yeah, and ke- keeping track of how many free articles you've read or whatever it is. Yeah. So so if you can't if you can't get into the article, don't worry about it. We'll probably include you know there's another one from from CNN or or somewhere else that has similar stuff. It's just not going to be as good. Much more partisan. Um, yeah. Yeah, just much more partisan. Wall Street Journal really is just trying to give you an actual honest I, summary of what's been said. I was shocked how good this summary was. It wasn't just better than all the others we found. It was it, it was on 
it was several levels better. It was this was a ten on a scale of one to ten, whereas all the other ones were like one or two on a scale of one to ten. There was a massive difference. So, first hearing is pretty straightforward. It's it's introducing this whole concept, and so there's lots of different things they do. You know, you have uh, committee members who are who are talking about what's going to be said. Um, they play a video compilation, which includes new footage of rioters. Um, you know, breaching the Capitol, um, stuff like that. Some video testimony um, from from Ivanka Trump talking about some things. You've got Ivanka. Some, uh, Someone's going to freak it, out at that. He said, Ivanka. "You know what? <laughs> we 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 got in trouble um, from one of our dedicated listeners for mispronouncing something quite recently that was apparently very important that we mispronounced. Oh, it was a uh, the Supreme Court justice." I don't want to say her name. Sotomayor? Sotomayor? Sotomayor. 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 It's, it's, I know it ends in mayor, but she, she was like, you're butchering this name. It's an important name. Pronounce it correctly. And I was like, I don't know why you haven't gotten this yet, but we cannot pronounce anything. And that's going to continue. And I'm so sorry. Um, so, uh, so that is as close as I can get to an apology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it was almost an apology, right? <laughs> it was at least frank. You didn't lie to her. You didn't try and uh, paint it as something other than what it was. <laughs> uh, but then you had a Capitol Police officer who talked about, you know, about what happened there that day. And so it's kind of laying a groundwork for, for, for what's happening here. Um, the second hearing is where we start to get into some more stuff. This one is is talking about Trump's claim that the election was was full of fraud, that he actually won the election. And the big push that the that the committee is making in the second hearing is that there was ample evidence that he had lost the election and that that reality was clear to Trump. And so, you know, one of the big or that there was at least a, a lack of evidence that, he, that it, there was fraud. Right. I guess that you can't prove necessarily that there was uh yeah 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 to, to phrase it slightly differently yeah yeah, yeah that's so that, the same point but that that people around trump were telling him there is no evidence of widespread fraud you know this is the clear reality and that he wasn't seeing that reality which which is uh i would say it's it's useful to add some perspective on on what's going on here but but it doesn't it doesn't wow me, you know, it doesn't wow me in, in the way I would expect a hearing like this to wow me. You know, I'd expect there to be more bombshells than this. You know, when you go through and you look at it and you're like, just this, the fact that there was people presenting him with this evidence isn't really enough. Yeah, it's certainly not news to hear that there were cooler heads around Trump who thought differently. Yeah, because what's not being said, but what you know is that there were also hotter heads saying other things. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Well, in one of the games that people play in politics is they go, someone told Trump that he actually lost the election and therefore he knew that he'd lost the election. And so he was acting contrary to his knowledge. You know, he was he was being deceitful even in pretending. He didn't really believe that he'd lost is the implication. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is the kind of thing mm -hmm. they people play with the like covid where they're like trump knew that covid was dangerous because someone told him it was dangerous yeah 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 <laughs> as if as if you know the word of somebody around you because it turned out to be right 
should have been taken as yes should have been taken you knew with the absolute certainty that we do looking back that that was the correct answer yes yes it's a it's a weird back reading of certainty that you're i think you captured well and how you just described it um no, and historians do that all the time, where they say, oh, well, this person was told this, but ignored it, therefore proving that either they were a complete idiot, or that they were evil, or that they were a conspiracy. Yes, And that's yes. just not how it works, because, I mean, if you're talking about the president of the United States, they're being told things on a regular basis. By lots of different voices. By lots of different voices, and they choose who to listen to, and that's often where the decision-making factor comes in. You know, that what... The organizational system of the White House is that you have the person in charge and then you have aides offering options and they're going to try and offer him as many options as possible that he can then choose from. And so that's works with information, too. Right. That right. You have aides who are going to say, no, it's not clear that you lost this election. You can fight it perfectly legitimately. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. know, there were voices saying things like that. Mm hmm. So yes, I agree with that. The day two hearing, day one hearing kind of setting the stage, day two hearing, mm, meh. Doesn't so really then change you get, Then you get day three, and day three is focusing on how Trump tried to pressure Vice President Mike Pence to to block the the technical terms have eluded me, but to, but to block the confirmation of his victory because the vice president plays an important role in in recognizing the electors who then cast the votes. And we've talked about this before when we talked about this last time when we talked about Trump. The way the electoral system is set up right now is nonsense. It's a it's a carryover from when the elections were done completely differently, and it is mostly symbolic. And doesn't need to be here. And in fact, because it's done the way it is, leaves the door open for shenanigans like this. You know what I mean? Yes. Because why Why have a system where you have these people casting votes that they could technically change? Why have a system where the vice president who's part of the existence – it's just weird. It's just weird. It is weird. It made sense at the time with how they envisioned it working. It doesn't make sense now with how – electors are always guaranteed in different things it's as i guess it could in very rare circumstances it could come into play in theory in an interesting way but in general it's just weird at this point and mm-hmm. absolutely could, could be changed yeah so they trump's idea was a a legal someone was giving him a legal excuse really is what it is that the vice president's role is not merely a formality but is actually substantial in in his uh confirming the what the states have done and actually being able to have some discretion there Mm -hmm. and what is clearly only a a formality and and this one and this one is a gray area because if mike pence had tried to stop these things it clearly would have been the wrong thing to do but wouldn't have been clearly illegal because even though they are formalities they are things that he does you know what i mean yes and so theoretically he could choose not to do them he could choose to do them differently without it being a clear violation of some of these strangely written Processes. Yes, yes, and there's no clear penalty attached or anything mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. You'd you'd probably go to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court would be like, "No, you can't do that," and that would be that. no. Yeah, but, but he could have delayed. But he, he could have made things mm-hmm. messier, and he could have 
possibly even slow down the transition of power yes. so that it didn't happen when it was supposed to. And that would have been terrible. And so I'm really glad that he didn't. Yes, he made the right call for sure. Yes. Um, and so, and so Mr. Tr <laughs> they, they call him Mr. Trump in this, in this reading because he's no longer president. But at the time, he wasn't Mr. Trump. When President Trump was pressuring Mike Pence to do this, it was clearly him trying to hold on to power. But it wasn't necessarily a coup attempt. You know what I mean? That that evidence isn't there. And it also isn't evidence for a conspiracy. Yes. You know what I mean? It's still, it does, it does add something to what he's trying to do here. But we also already knew about this before this here. This is common knowledge. Yes, this isn't news. Um, and so far, everything color. that's been talked about has been has been common knowledge. You know, it's it's no bombshell. Mm -hmm. um, fourth hearing, I, I would call, you know, the best hearing. Not that I listened to all of these hearings, but in terms of what's actually been said, this one is is one of the ones that uh, – that convinced me when when we did research far and away about what Trump did. This was the it was episode eighty three. Episode eighty three. If you want to go back and, and look at, we take a closer look at this in in episode eighty three. This is where we think Trump really crossed an unacceptable line um, into into blatant corruption, and that was in trying to pressure the states to change the results of the election. And that was a clear violation of the integrity of the election and whether, you know, and you'd have to talk to, to an attorney to tell you and, and a very specific attorney, you know, to tell you whether or not that's illegal, but it was definitely inappropriate and definitely something that was corrupt and something that, that if he wasn't kicked out of office, you know, you could argue that he should get impeached for easily. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was asking them to to just basically overrule their the people of their state and say he's the he's the winner. He was yeah, he was yeah, asking telling, them to overturn the election. Yeah, telling them to find the right answer, you know what I mean? Yes. Things like that are uh yeah, rough. This is fundamentally different and we go into detail in this in episode 83. This is fundamentally different than trying to delay things because you think that there was corruption and you want the cases mm -hmm. to play out. Mm -hmm. That if, if you think, if you want the cases to play out, that's great. That is absolutely above board. That's wonderful. If you think you need to delay so that maybe we more cases will come up, that gets to be a little sketchier. It depends on what he knew when and those kind of things. And you can compare that to times in the past where it's been close and there's been pushback. There's a legal path that, yes. that they take. You know, they actually, they pursue it in court, you know. Like the Al Gore, you know, George Bush case that went yeah, to Supreme Florida Court. Yeah, Florida recounting and things yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. They said, hey, this is being done wrong in this particular state. Here's our legal case. We present it and we follow the line. That's very different from the president of the United States calling up, you know, these state governing officers and saying, find me these votes. It's a clearly different and clearly Yes. Corrupt action. Yes. This was this was raw. Trump was was acting in a classically corrupt way to hold on to power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's fudge the numbers, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's change that we lost the political game. Let's change the game. Let's break the rules. Let's bend things. Now now I want to point out here though that even this, which which like I said, shouldn't should be impeachable, is different than a coup. Because a coup is using violence 
to overthrow the existing government. Yeah. Which and that's it, not what's taking place here. No, that's why January 6th becomes such a key detail in the story as it's told. Because they need that violence to have it be a coup. Which is weird because I like we've talked about it in 83 at length. They have enough. Like there's enough here to persuade me. Um, yeah. With the, with the election stuff, with the state, what he was doing with the state electors. You don't need to go – you don't need to ramp it up and make it a bigger spectacle and throw the flamboyant terms around. At least at least not at the level of persuading people who haven't been persuaded. That mm-hmm. probably does mm-hmm. wonders for their base in the same way that all politicians at this point are, have practiced speaking to their base and getting them riled up. Yeah, and so that brings us to the fifth hearing, which is another – good one in, in in my opinion because it's talking about something else that trump did that was seriously inappropriate you mentioned the fourth the fourth hearing was good you think it was good not necessarily because there was a great revelation but because it it explained well or or focused on things that actually were substantial that is that well, why you feel like that i'm was- i'm calling them good because the the part of this hearing that i think is good is is the getting justice that a lot of people don't know what happened. And so pointing out what did happen and pointing out the things that Trump did that were clearly wrong in the court of public opinion so that people can look and say, yes, you know what? Trump crossed the line and, and that's it. I mean, that that's all we're trying to do here is get people to see that. You know what I mean? In terms of, of this hearing, that's one of the main goals is get people to say Trump crossed the line. And so in terms of that, I think that the fourth and the fifth hearing are the do best. that better than the other uh, than any of yes. the others. These are the ones where even even you know diehard Trump supporters should take a look at it and say, "Yeah, this is a problem." You know what I mean? You know, Trump Trump hearing different stories from different aides doesn't do that. You know what I mean? Yes. Trump pressuring Pence to do something that he could questionably do and delay the results doesn't do that for me. You know what yeah. I mean? But the fourth and the fifth hearing him being slow to does. respond by by some measures on on January 6th doesn't do that. Yeah, right? exactly. Him trying to contest the election is nothing new. You know what I mean? Him looking at his options is nothing new. But what he does with the Justice Department and what he does with the states cross the line. And so that's why I said they're they're good in my opinion. Those hearings. And day five gets into that the justice officials. Yeah, and so and so day five talks about how Trump pushed the Justice Department to overturn the election, to get involved, and to 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 find evidence, to do whatever it took. And he went so far as to try and replace the head of the Justice Department, you know, the acting attorney, the attorney general, because the attorney general wouldn't do what he wanted him to do. You know what I mean? That he was trying to do whatever it took in terms of his somewhat gray options. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, that's not something I cannot do for you. And he said, okay, you're out. How about you? Will you do this for me? You will? Fantastic. You're in charge now. You're the acting attorney general. Go. <laughs> and that's clearly crossing a line. <laughs> do you think that's comparable to the state thing or, or what do you? where do you see this? Because clearly the cabinet should, let me play out devil's advocate for a second. Clearly the cabinet is chosen by the president because you want the cabinet to so, to so, be doing what the president so wants. Yes, to. the president has a right to replace cabinet heads. The problem here is that Trump wants to use a cabinet, the Justice Department, which has a very clear goal, which is justice, right? It's not 
it's not his personal instrument. It's an instrument for the, the, the office of the president to take care of certain functions. And he goes to the Justice Department and says, do something that is not a part of your function specifically to benefit me. And they say, no, that's not our function. We don't have a right to do that. We don't have a legal case. And so I cannot do that. And he says, great, you're out. Can you do this for me? That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, where yeah. it becomes a clear okay. problem. So, so not necessarily replacing him, but but uh, it's it's the equivalent of of you know you've got a general who orders a you know a commander, hey, go do this illegal action in war, and the commander says no, and he replaces yes, that yes, commander yes. And says you're you're gone, you you go in and do this inappropriate thing. Yes, I see what you're saying. I, so I was captured in the the replacing thing. The replacing thing seems benign, but but it's in the context of it's that he's asking them to do things that are inappropriate, and that's why they refused, and that's why he had to replace them. Mm-hmm. It's because exactly. of, it was an mm-hmm. abuse of power with the justice system mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and uh, and and perhaps more uh, more of an ordinary level of corruption. Though in extraordinary circumstances, I think I think mm-hmm. the the power of various agencies and, are abused and you're absolutely right power. that it's not about the replacement. That if the first person he asked had done it, it still would have been just as it bad. still would you have been just mean? as bad. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. So that brings us to the sixth hearing. Um, the sixth hearing was, in many ways, for them going to be their bombshell because it's new information. You know, a lot of this stuff. You know, the fourth and fifth were fantastic, but that information is already out there. You know, we talked about a lot of that stuff in episode 83. Sixth hearing is, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, YouTubers, is new content. You know, they they made us some (laughs) some new content here. I was Um, complaining to Brad before this episode about the way content is used. I, I, I can't stand that. People who make videos are like, okay, I'm going to get some new content out there. What's wrong with new videos? Why would and, you use the word content? And Dan, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to share with you a, a song by Bo Burnham called content after this, you know, cause it's a song <laughs> all about that, about him making some, some new content for you, including the song about content. So don't, don't get into the meta aspect. I've been there. recently introduced to Bo Burnham. If you're listening to this. He's wildly inappropriate. You could probably so, skip uh, this one. <laughs> a, a clear disclaimer, you know, don't don't look up Bo Burnham expecting anything besides just vulgarity. So full, full disclosure. Comedy, so yeah, there you go. Carry Anyways, on, day six. Hearing, this was the big one. I heard about this one. Like mm-hmm. I, in terms of uh, this penetrated uh, into the mainstream in ways that I think a lot of the other days just didn't. A lot of the other days, and, and probably because there just wasn't quite the sensationalism and if yeah, you are I mean, if you're putting this on you want sensationalism that is that is in some ways the entire point you want something shocking heck yeah yeah and so so i wouldn't consider this one a great one but lots of people who are who are listening did so this one is the bombshell testimony from cassidy hutchinson who was a a, a top aide at one point to uh chief of, chief of staff mark meadows um so she testified about how on the j- day of January 6th, um, Trump wanted to go to the Capitol. Um, Secret Service refused. And I and the quote here, he said to uh, Robert Engel, who was the head of the Secret Service detail, I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. Uh, at which point, when Mr. Engel refused, Mr. Trump tried to grab the wheel of the car and used his free hand to lunge toward Mr. Engel's neck. If that story true, I would have I would have liked to see what case was brought against the president, you know, for choking out the head of a secret service detail. 
that would have been an awesome headline to read. And that would just, have been sick. Just nuts. Um, that would <laughs> sorry. have been. I, I, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just a ludicrous image. You know, to think of the, the sitting president of the United States trying to forcibly grab the wheel of the car and attack the head of his Secret Service. Isn't he like 80 years old? So old. I'm sure, I'm sure the head of the Secret Service detail had no problem fending off the attack. The one-handed lunge. The one-handed lunge. Probably one of the most ineffectual things of all time. Yeah. So, so here's the bombshell. The bombshell is that, is that Trump was deranged on January 6th. Trump had lost control of his faculties and, and was clearly violent. You know what I mean? Yeah, Lunging I, toward Mr. Engels. Like, I mean, we're talking turning on his own people <laughs> in order to stay in power. Yeah, and that's really powerful missed, imagery. Yeah, I, I had missed why this was supposed to be a bombshell initially. Because I read it and I thought, why did he... What is the end goal here? You you grab the steering wheel with one hand, you lunge at the other guy, right? Let's let's pretend it goes perfectly well, and you strangle the one, and you you are somehow affecting the steering of the other. And and yeah, you single handedly drove back to the and you drive yourself back to the capital with a with a. Uh, I mean, I, I assume ideally, if it's you know everything goes perfectly, a passed out head of your Secret Service detail in the passenger seat. And the other guy, you just continue just, to wrestle with for control while of the you drive back. Yes, and then you you break there. Some some you don't even have control of. You know, I was trying to rationally figure out how this was going to play out, like. Like, what was his motivation for trying to strangle them? And, and that's what I was saying to Dan earlier is I think in many ways this is actually the most important testimony that we have ever heard about the January 6th event because this is the key piece of information that makes a coup possible. Because as we've talked about probable. before – By possible, you mean probable, right? That, this, that, that Trump oh yeah, of course, because by definition this. it's possible. It's always possible that – that, but I mean possible in the sense that it makes it viable. It makes it a real option now. Because yes. in many ways, as I was saying before, logically, it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? That January 6th was successful and didn't do anything. You know, yes. that, that, that there was no clear path to victory yes. here. Yes, the and January 6th could be the coup if – carry on. Sorry, I'm about to steal your thunder. You are stealing my thunder, and it's okay. I'll just make more lightning. Um but but that what happened here is that Trump did something that, if successful, wouldn't work, thus proving that on January 6th, and therefore logically around January 6th, Trump was not in his right mind, that he wasn't thinking logically, that he was thinking emotionally, passionately, etc. He was deranged, and therefore he would institute a plan that could never work, just like lunging for his Secret Service detail head's neck while also going for the steering wheel. That that's what he did on January 6th. Not in the car, but in the in the riot, in the taking of the Capitol. He was trying to overthrow the government. And it was just the stupidest plane you've ever heard. But it doesn't change the fact that it was an attempted coup. And that, I think, is the picture and the narrative that this bombshell testimony is supposed to be opening up the door for yes yes and so the follow-up and the follow-up internal testimonies play into that image they they portray him as 
uh, as he hears announcements of the, the failed judicial cases, that he's overturning tables, that he's throwing plates throwing at his walls. Lunch, yeah. He's, uh, he's destroying things, right? That this is a man who is totally losing. Yeah, it's deranged and violent, I think, are the two words deranged that are going and violent. for with this narrative. Yes. Because it can't just be violent, because, because I mean, as violent is a key part of the coup, but it has to be more than that. It has to be the illogical aspect. Yes. He would yes. institute a plan that had no hope of succeeding because he's not thinking clearly. Yes, yes. And that is the only, you have to be able to show that if you're going to convince me that January 6th was a coup. Right. That's you that they're right that this is a necessary part of the picture if they're going to get me there. Um, now, there, there are there are some downsides here. Number one, this was not an eyewitness testimony. So Mrs. Hutchinson, Cassidy Hutchinson, who shared this testimony, wasn't there. She based it on something she heard from someone else who was there. And so so it becomes a bit of a mess. As the Wall Street Journal puts it, Miss Hutchinson said her testimony about the ride in the presidential vehicle was based on an account from Tony Ornato, former White House deputy chief of staff, told to her in the presence of Mr. Engel. In other words, the, the guy who was supposed to be strangled. A person close to the Secret Service said Mr. Ornot Ornato denied telling Mrs. Hutchinson that Mr. Trump lunched at the steering wheel or assaulted an agent. So... So already you have a bit of a mess here. And this is the kind of thing where having your own witnesses and having cross-examination would completely change this sixth hearing. Because if you had cross-examination where they're like, wait, so you weren't even there? Okay, well, where were you when this happened? What what were the context? You know, was the yes. person telling you over a dinner table where they, you know, how do you know they weren't exaggerating, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What did the other person say? You know what I mean? And then pull up your own witnesses. Okay. Well now we have on the stand, you know, this other person who says, actually, I heard someone else say that it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Neither of these testimonies would be admitted at court because it's hearsay. Because it's hearsay. Yeah. It's hearsay versus hearsay, but it doesn't matter for this kind of for Sinan, this kind yes. of hearing, but in a in a real court, this would be destroyed. You know what I mean? It would never it would never work. Yes, and as it is, it has made a lot of news. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's really spread. I don't know how how much people believed it, but it's at least been the most attention grabbing thing so far. And so, as it stands, for someone like me, I'm like, I don't know what happened in that limousine. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't because there's there's not even a an eyewitness testimony, you know what I mean? It's it's hearsay. Yeah, su supposedly two of the agents who were there are willing to testify according to the Secret Service, um, and but nothing has come of that, um, and both of them were supposedly going to deny it, according to the Secret Service again. So uh, where does this stand? Would it matter if that is what happened? Maybe. Would, <laughs> as it is, we're, we're not going to know. Um, it mm -hmm. seems improbable to me. Um, but even if it were true, I'm not sure it would change my opinion about anything. Yeah. And, and, and like we we're saying before, it's, it's about getting into his mindset, getting this, this mm -hmm. narrative built, but that doesn't, that doesn't prove anything. You know what I mean? It, it's still messy. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's. Yeah. I, I, it's I mean, difficult. best case, it proves that, uh, that Trump is impulsive and, and, uh, reckless at times and. But you need more than that. You need clear evidence 
that yes. points to him. You know what I mean? Like, like one of the things they keep talking about is, is, you know, the gallows that was set up in front of, in front of the Capitol. Like they were going to start, you know, lynching people. And the thing is, is that that's not enough. You need to connect that to Trump where Trump told someone to do something violent in order to overthrow the government there has to be that clear connection yes you know what i mean and that's just it's still missing it's still missing so that brings us to the seventh hearing i'm getting a little ahead of ourselves because that's what they're talking about here is they're trying to connect some of the things he's tweeted to these extremist groups that showed up and and this was one that you listened to a, to a fair bit of right dan yes it is this most um, recent one yes i <laughs> Please don't ask me to recap it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no because I couldn't recap thoughts. it. Because it, the seventh one, I, I haven't watched most of these live. I've, I've listened to recaps, looked at things, um, read articles and things like that. Um, I'm, I'm not caught up enough in the drama of it for it to be bearable to watch these extremely painful hearings. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to watch 20 hours of these hearings. It's too much. This one... I made it as far as I could. I had to keep pausing it to be like, did they really, is this all they've got? Um, they had on a couple people who were associated with the oath keepers. I almost said the oath breakers. <laughs> That's a different organization. They're less popular. I think I'm referencing some kind of, uh, lore from a fantasy world, neither here nor there. <laughs> The Oath Keepers, um, and they're as a paramilitary organization who's dangerous and whatnot. And so they, they had a guy in particular, one particular person, uh, whose name escapes me. Yeah, and we've we've mentioned the Oath Keepers before. Weren't they weren't they there at Kenosha? Wasn't that one of the groups that was there? In, in chaotic situations, they often show up under the at least the pretext, uh, leave you to sort through what they're doing at any particular event, that they're going to help protect and defend people who need it. Um, I, my, I first encountered them in a, there was some kind of riot. This was many years ago. This was probably, you know, six to eight years ago, um, where I oh, heard about a long them. time ago. Yes. For the first time. And there was a riot. I don't even remember what the riot was about. It was something largely apolitical. Um, and, uh, and they went and they went to a, a very poor neighborhood and they offered people, uh, their protection, uh, you know, very poor, uh, immigrants generally were the people there. Um, and they would stand on their roof armed with their gear or out front of their door and just be there. Zero violence came from it. Lots of property ended up being protecting as a result. And so I left with a fairly positive appearance, a opinion based on this one encounter. Since then, obviously a lot has happened and there's been a far more attention. So <laughs> at this point, I have no idea. I haven't sorted through most of the information out there, right? We'll be agnostic. Withhold judgment of, of these groups, but they're definitely being painted as far-right extremist paramilitary yes. organizations, you know? I was going to say, so the particular speaker here uh, had been uh, a journalist who covered them um, at one point and was asked to become uh, an employee who who did social media and messaging type things. Um and then he, uh, he left when he heard them talking, a group of them talking about being, you know, denying the Holocaust. And, and, uh, they, the committee asked him a variety of questions. And he would say things like, 
yes, they're an extremely dangerous group. And they'd say, oh, that's, that's interesting. Say more about that. Dangerous in what way? And he'd say, well, as you can see from January 6th and the pictures that have come out, um, they were willing to use violence and they are very extreme. And, and, and I mean, I'm not trying to mischaracterize how he's talking at all. That is how he talked. You can go and you can listen to it. And they'd go, huh, <laughs> because that doesn't add anything at all. Because what's, what's the point of bringing forward an insider, an yes. you know, an insider to have all the, all the, the, the dirty details and just tell you publicly available knowledge that you could have yes. got from the first yes. hearing from watching the, the video. The only you know? bit of inside information he offered was, well, well, he said things like they do military type training. Yes. Most of them are military, right? Most of them are ex-military. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the that's the idea. Uh-huh. The oath they're keeping is their oath to protect the Constitution. No, and, and that is one of the the least, I'd say, controversial things about these paramilitary groups is that they're, <laughs> so they're right, right. That that's actually common knowledge. Um, and the that conversation that I mentioned, where he overheard some of them uh, discussing the Holocaust with some doubt, um, and he didn't give enough details, you know, to really really paint that. And particularly vividly, um, in general, he looked like he didn't want to be there and like he didn't want to be asked questions, which is weird because they could be talking to anybody, right? They could bring in anyone. Yeah, this is, this is their choice. Yeah, this isn't, this is their star. This witness. isn't just someone they had to get and talk to because he knows something particular about the case, right? He could, like you would in a normal court, court where he'd be mm-hmm. directly related in some way to somebody involved. Um, the other person they had was someone who'd become disaffected, uh, and convinced he'd gone there to the, 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 the riots on Jan- protest. protests on January 6th. Um, it had turned violent, uh, though he wasn't a part of that as far as I knew. Um, and he, uh, he then left after, uh, after Trump tweeted later in the day. Uh, finally kind of responded to it and that that sent him home and then later he realized that the election hadn't been overturned i don't know why he was there um he had no particular insight into anything at all (laughs) you know he could have been anybody who once Mm -hmm. thought the election was overturned and now thought that it probably that the election had been stolen and now thought that it it wasn't and it was really uncomfortable to watch these two guys answer questions. Now they may have had other witnesses later in the day, but this is the ones they let off with. And, and it was the worst part about it. If you were looking at this from the perspective of what it can actually achieve is that it was absolutely boring, really, really <laughs> boring, no salacious details, no inside information, no, nothing of use at all that could paint any kind of a picture that made you think Donald Trump is is associating with people who are really extreme. Everything they said could have been read off of any article ever written by anyone about January, about January 6th, 6th yeah. and about uh, and who doesn't like the oath bringers about the oath bringers. Right? It was it was so generic that it was uh, it was really really painful. Uh, so that that was my take on the the seventh hearing. 
Yeah, so it's a it's an interesting one because because the seventh hearing, the goal here is they're trying to paint a picture of a connection between Trump and these extremist groups. Um, you know, this is this is where they spend some time focusing on that tweet I referenced at the beginning, December nineteenth, where Trump tweeted, "Big protest in D.C. on January sixth. Be there. Will be wild." And then the other big big connection, and this is probably the most interesting detail from from this um, episode of the hearings, is uh is that they they produced a uh, a draft of a Trump tweet. And the draft referenced the fact that they were planning on marching to the Capitol after the the protest, and so that's that's building evidence that there was a plan in place here, that it wasn't just spur of the moment, which actually I think was a useful piece of of, of evidence. It once again doesn't prove anything, but at least it's at least it's contributing. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least it's contributing to the to this narrative, to this argument that's being made. But so much of of hearing seven wasn't doing that, you know what I mean, and and the connections are are nebulous at best. Um, it's interesting because as we were talking about this, Dan, I said looking at these seven hearings is making me pretty confident that we got it right when we talked about Trump in episode eighty three. That he clearly crossed the line. He clearly abused his power in an effort to stay in power, but he didn't attempt a coup and looking at these hearings is quite vindicating in me making that claim because this is the opportunity to bring forward anything else that's out there because you can bring it forward it doesn't have to be legally admissible like it would in a court it's not going to be cross-examined you know what i mean cassidy hutchinson is an example of that where you can even bring forward hearsay yeah yeah you know you're like we're pretty sure this happened but we can't get anyone who was there to say anything but we heard someone you know, someone heard someone else reference it, and we can bring that forward. And this is all you have after 20 hours of hearings. Yes. This is all you're able to bring forward is is common knowledge. You know, like the the fourth and the fifth hearing stuff we already knew about. That's 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 ev- you know that's that's publicly available. You know what I mean? You can listen to these phone calls. There's there's evidence here that's just that that we knew about for months and months or over a year now at this point. And then you've got, you know, bombshell hearsay that doesn't actually prove anything, but it's just there to paint a picture of Trump as deranged and violent, which isn't enough and is still hearsay. And then you've got a few tweets that we've known about for a long time and slightly more color on on that. And that's it. You know what I mean? And we're left basically where we were, you know, well over a year ago. And so. So, yeah, I mean, if you're thinking the January 6th hearings are, are going to change the game in terms of what we know about January 6th, it's definitely it, yeah, not. It's definitely not it's a been game disappointing, changer. Despite, despite the clickbait titles out there about this being finally the takedown of Trump and this being proof that he was doing things, I, the titles, I don't know what hearings they're paying attention to. <laughs> But um, back to back to the goals of the hearing, you know, the the focus on justice, on on establishing what really happened. They're doing a so-so job, you know, like I said, you know, a couple of the hearings have been focusing on on the true, clear, concrete 
unjust actions of Trump. But a lot of it has not been focused on that. A lot of it has has been on on color and painting a narrative and not doing an amazing job with it. Like Dan said, having a bunch of boring testimony is not a good idea. That's a, that's a great way to turn 20 million active viewers into 10 million, into 5 million, into convincing the, the media stations to stop hearing it. Because if you keep having hearings, if you have two hearings in a row that are boring, the third hearing is not going to get true. picked up. It's true. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Last hearing with Cassidy Hutchinson was exciting. This one's more boring. You got one more shot. If the next one's boring... People might stop talking about these hearings. Yes, you know what I mean? even and the then, dedicated people. Yeah, 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 I like exactly. what you're saying about the justice and truth. I think a lot of people will feel vindicated by this. People who feel, uh, you know, the, the people who are passionately convinced that Donald Trump is the great, the greatest evil America's faced and um, was responsible for World War II and so on, will feel vindicated. <laughs> now they'll be upset that there aren't, there isn't going to be some kind of legal. Uh, consequence following this. It's just, it's, it's not even on the table, even though they talk about it as if it is. Um, so they'll be somewhat disappointed there, but I think it'll satisfy them. Uh, it does in, in a more hopeful point, as you were saying, it does spread some good information about, uh, some of the things that, that should be paid attention to, like the pressure on the states. That should be yes. common knowledge. Yeah. That are easily readily. Yes. That off, unfortunately, the problem, the reason they're not common knowledge is they often get lost in the noise about all the other things. And that's still a problem mm-hmm. here. There's still a lot of noise, but but that's I don't know what you do about that. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, <laughs> and then in terms of what effect this is going to have on the party politics, what effect is going to have on the election? That I'm honestly not sure of, because because the the groups that matter are so so hard to pin down by definition. I mean, because they're not. They're not a homogenous group. We call, you know, you call them, you know, the moderates, you call them the independents, you call them the undecideds, but that group is, is vast and, and complicated. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're, getting bigger. We're readily bigger considered part of that group. You yeah. know what I mean? Because, because we, we are not just party, party, we're not just party animals. And if, Despite exactly. what we sound if you're like, not, then you're, then you're in that group, and that's a large group, and it varies state to state. And so, what effect this hearing is going to have on those people is going to vary. You know, some people are going to be convinced, and they won't vote Republican for a couple of years because of yes. it. You know, they'll vote Democrat not just in this election, but in the next presidential election. Yes, you know and, I mean? and and then it did come down to it in uh, a presidential election of Trump versus Biden. In a few years, it will be the most volatile election ever. Like, who knows? Who knows what would happen? But it is uh, Biden's best shot for it, it is is, uh, is running against Trump. Absolutely, it's his that's his best bet because because there is so much on record about what Trump did, and there's and there are things like this hearing. Is that what effect this has on whether or not you vote for a Republican to be your congressman? is different than whether or not you'll vote for Trump. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Because, because he, because he tried to stay in power and abused his authority as president. To and do is it. Donald I mean, Trump. Just, yeah. It's, it's a- once, once you're convinced of that, you just can't, you shouldn't be able to get over it. Yes. You know what I mean, um, but that doesn't mean you're not going to vote Republican again. And that's, and that part is more, if you <laughs> just don't know where people are going to come down and it'll be interesting to yeah. see. Yeah. As far as news stations goes, this has been a win. 
<laughs> They're the only group yeah, who they've been drawing they've in been, revenue. They've been getting people to watch news at levels that most of those news stations haven't since Trump was in office. <laughs> you know, since since the actual January sixth. So no, and 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 yes, for for news media, it's just a clear win because it's a chance to bash on Trump, which is how like they the, make the, money. The yeah. Beautiful four years yeah, they had. Yeah. How, so it's 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 a callback to the heyday. The CNN's revenue took Trump a jump for sure for this. Uh, couple weeks mm -hmm. cnn should start campaigning for trump to run again just because even if he doesn't win just the months of him running would be such a boost <laughs> to their uh to their to everything every cnn would just would just make money hand over fist you can actually months, you know? demonstrate this like this is this is a fact this is actually how it's worked for a lot of these news groups yeah i mean cnn new york times there's quantifiable shifts yeah in in subscribers and in viewership from, you know, when Trump was in office to when he wasn't. It's nuts. So do we feel like we can put this to bed, Brad? Brad and I were not excited to discuss this topic at all. <laughs> it just doesn't interest us so much. We knew it was a spectacle. And and uh, and if there were big revelations, they probably would have come out as soon as possible rather than waiting for this event. Mm -hmm. right? just... No, which, which they did. The fourth and fifth hearing, those revelations were already out there. You know, it's what convinced yeah. us. But yeah, I think, I mean, there'll be more hearings. We probably won't talk about it unless there's something really yeah, big. Yeah, we'll mention it in passing probably if there's something interesting. Because for the most part, yeah, it is It is grandstanding. It's it's not horrible. It, I mean, it, it has clear goals and I understand those and I don't. I don't resent it, you know what I mean? I'm I'm agnostic towards towards this whole event, you know. I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to watch it, but I also say, you know what? Go for it. Have fun. And with that, thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Rethinking Politics. You can find us on all of the major podcasting apps or on YouTube. You can reach out to us at rethinkingpoliticspodcast at gmail.com or you can visit our website at rethinkingpolitics.podbean.com where you can support us via Patreon. Thanks and have a wonderful day.